Welcome to the Pint Glass Football Podcast. Hey, what's up, everybody? Thanks for checking out the Pint Glass Football Podcast. I'm your host, Brad Fowler, just a guy who likes to drink beer and watch football, so I started a podcast. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at PGF Podcast for new episodes and tons of great content, news, and articles on all things NFL and college football. On today's episode, I'll discuss the top nine college football teams and how each could get into the college football playoff. I'll break down my weekly NFL power rankings, and I'll pick six games that I'll be betting this weekend exclusively on Twitter, so be sure to go to at PGF Podcast for those. So taking a look at the college football playoff, let's assume that LSU, Ohio State, and Clemson win out over the next three weeks. They're all pretty heavy favorites, and I know you know one of them might not, but I think all three are probably going to win out, and really the debate over the fourth spot should hit a fever pitch at that point. If LSU wins the SEC championship game, that would likely eliminate the University of Georgia, leaving a bunch of one-loss teams to make their case for the committee. So we're going to take a look at those teams, because I think that's where it really gets interesting with the college football playoff. So number five... Alabama, I think they're in big trouble. Like I stated last week when I declared that they are toast, but the Tua injury might just be the nail in the Tide's coffin. Very unlikely to play for an SEC championship at this point, and their Heisman candidate quarterback is now out for the rest of the year. So Bama will have to win over the committee via the eye test, and Mac Jones, the backup quarterback, with potentially only one top 25 win and no championship game, they are all but out of the college football playoff, in my opinion. I just don't think they can wow the committee enough with the schedule they have remaining. So, I mean, even if they blow out their next few opponents, I just don't think it's enough, especially without the SEC championship. So at number six, the Oregon Ducks. And looking at this team, the committee has to take notice that Oregon's only loss was to Auburn in week one, losing in the final seconds, no less. Oregon all but dominated that game and and really just came up short at the very end. You know, Oregon was also without multiple starters. They were out due to injury in that game, multiple wide receivers. I mean, they had guys, you know, that were third, fourth string guys out there. And Oregon still led wire to wire until the final play of the game. If Alabama is to win out and crush Auburn, it could make for a tougher decision between Oregon and Bama. However, Oregon winning a Pac-12 championship over a highly ranked Utah, I think gives them the edge. Speaking of Utah, they're at number seven. And Utah still has a 4-6 Arizona Wildcats, and a 4-6 Colorado teams to play left on its schedule. Now, they will be heavy favorites versus both these teams, and their scenario is tied directly to Oregon. They need to win the Pac-12 championship versus a one-loss Oregon team to make a strong case for the college football playoff. The only reason they are behind Oregon at this point 
is because their one loss is to USC, a team that Oregon destroyed at the Coliseum. So Utah and Oregon really need each other to win out going into the Pac-12 championship game. If not, neither team has a very good shot of making the college football playoff. At number eight, Minnesota. Now Minnesota needs to finish as a Big Ten champion with one loss to have a legitimate chance of making the college football playoff. That would mean they would have to upset Ohio State or Penn State in the championship game. Now, that's not likely, and to get there, they still will have to defeat Wisconsin. So it's going to be a tall task for these guys, but it is possible. If they did pull this off, they would have three wins versus ranked teams, Penn State, Wisconsin, and Ohio State, which would be more than Clemson, Oregon, Utah, or Alabama. So I think if Minnesota actually pulled that off, I don't think there's any way that they would be held out of the college football playoff. At number nine is Penn State, and Penn State will need to finish as a one-loss Big Ten champion in order to make the college football playoff. But in order to do that, they will have to beat Ohio State in Columbus and then beat Minnesota in the Big Ten championship game. But a huge quality win over, over Ohio State and a conference championship almost certainly gets them in. I think it's obvious by the rankings that the committee doesn't view the Big 12 as a strong enough conference to get a team in, especially now that there won't be an undefeated Big 12 champion after Oklahoma beat Baylor. So I really am not looking beyond the top nine teams here because, like I said, I just don't think the Big 12 has a team that really has a chance at this point. I think Baylor was the best chance and, you know, they were undefeated and still kind of on the outside looking in. So, you know, with them losing and without being an undefeated team, I just don't think the big 12 has much of a shot at all. So here's what I think will happen. I think LSU wins the SEC and they're in. Clemson wins the ACC undefeated and they are in. The big 10 champion, most likely Ohio State is in. The one-loss Pac-12 champion is in, which is either going to be Oregon or Utah most likely. Now, if Georgia upsets LSU in the championship, they both get in, and we have total chaos in college football. So needless to say, it's going to be really interesting to see how these next few weeks play out in college football. So shifting gears to the pro ranks, I've been doing it every week. It's my NFL Top 10 Power Rankings. And this week, I've got a new team in the Power Rankings for the first time, and that's at number 10, the 6-4 and four Oakland Raiders. This team got one step closer to a playoff berth with a win last week over the Bengals. I'm going to admit it now. I was dead wrong about this draft class by Oakland. If you guys listened to my draft podcast earlier in the season... I wasn't too fond of the Oakland draft class. I really wasn't impressed. I thought they reached on guys. But fourth round pick, Max Crosby had four sacks last week. He's looked good. Hunter Renfro looks like a steal with a late round pick. Josh Jacobs could easily be the offensive rookie of the year. Second round pick, cornerback Trayvon Mullen has been really good. Cleland Farrell, who I thought was a reach in the first round, he has been great. And Gruden has this team playing hard, smart football with the fourth fewest giveaways on offense. And Derek Carr is having a career year, completing 72.3% 
with only five interceptions and a 105.2 quarterback rating, Oakland makes the top 10. At number nine, the 7-4 Kansas City Chiefs. Now, the Chiefs knocked off the Chargers on Monday Night Football, but I came away thinking less of them. Mahomes is incredible. Don't get me wrong. The guy really is a generational talent. And Andy Reid is a great coach. And they have weapons on offense, but the defense is seriously holding this team back at this point. They are 26th in total defense and 30th in rush defense. The four picks versus Rivers was nice, but let's face it. Philip Rivers is more like old man Rivers at this point. I mean, the guy just looks terrible. And they had a, the Chargers were marching in the final minute and had a chance to win, or not win, but tie that game late and go into overtime. The Chiefs have way too much talent on the offensive side to have a defense that holds them back this much. It's something they have to address in the offseason. At number eight, the six and four Dallas Cowboys. Now, I love what I've seen from Dak Prescott. This season, he's got a 104.1 quarterback rating. He's leading the league in passing yards, and he's got 21 touchdowns to just nine interceptions. And he was awesome versus Detroit last week with 444 yards and three touchdowns. But the defense has some real issues. When Jeff Driscoll has a 109 quarterback rating, and the Lions almost beat you with inferior talent, that's a problem. And they have two bad losses versus the Jets and the Buccaneers. And they really have only beat bad teams like the Dolphins or the rebuilding teams like the Giants. Let's just say Jason Garrett's seat is officially smoking. Now they have a huge game against the Patriots this week. I think they're going to have to come out and win this game and really show Jerry Jones that this team is legit and moving in the right direction. But if they go and get blown out or lose to the Patriots, I just think that seat's going to go from smoking to on fire. So at number seven, I have the eight and three Minnesota Vikings. This team has won six of their last seven games, and they have one of the most talented rosters in the NFL. I've been saying it all year. I mean, they keep showing up in my power rankings for a reason. At eight and three, they've got a really good record. And they had a really impressive second half last week versus the Broncos. But let's face it, it's the Broncos. Why are you down 20-0 to zero to Denver? Always comes back to Kirk Cousins. He is just 4-8 and eight versus 500 teams since 2018. And he just isn't good enough to get this team over the hump. I'm sorry, but he's not. They have so much talent on both sides of the ball. And I just think this is a team that even at 8-3 and three is going nowhere with him at quarterback. I'll be really interested to see in April if Minnesota makes a move or possibly trades up to go after a quarterback. At number 6, the 8-2 and two Seattle Seahawks. Russell Wilson's back must hurt because he is carrying this team right now. His 23 touchdowns to two interception ratio is incredible. The Legion of Boom days are long gone in Seattle, and so is the power run game with Marshawn Lynch and players like that. This is Wilson's team. You know, this is a different Seattle Seahawks. 
this is just not the same Seattle team that we were used to seeing when they were competing for Super Bowls. They are so reliant on Russell Wilson, it's it's crazy. He's having a career year, and they continue to find ways to win close games. But I still don't think they have the defense or the playmakers to contend for a Super Bowl in a loaded NFC. At number five, the 8-2 Green Bay Packers. This is the best Packers team we've seen in several years. I love the offensive system that Matt LaFleur has brought in. Aaron Rodgers is quietly having a great season with 17 touchdowns and only two interceptions. And a big reason why is the running game, led by Aaron Jones, who is averaging 4.4 yards per carry with 11 touchdowns. Now, they have a huge Sunday night game coming up versus San Francisco. And it's definitely going to be interesting to see how their defense holds up versus a power running team like the 49ers. And will Green Bay be able to make enough plays versus the Niners defense? This is a huge game. And I think it's really going to tell us a lot about Green Bay and if they're a legit contender or not. At number four, the 8-2 New Orleans Saints. They got their offense back on track last week versus the Buccaneers. And it started with a heavy dose of Alvin Kamara. They established him early in the game, and it opened things up for Breeze and Michael Thomas, who had 114 yards and a touchdown. Now, Breeze was sharp, going 28 for 35 with three touchdowns. And the Saints' defense was also sharp, holding the Bucks to only 17 points. They are third in the NFL in rush defense. And the Saints have only one turnover in the last six games. So they take care of the ball, and they are sixth in total offense. So this is one of the most complete teams in the NFL. They've got a great coach and a Hall of Fame quarterback who maybe isn't as good as he was a couple years ago, but he's still highly efficient, highly effective, and they've got so many playmakers on both sides of the ball. New Orleans is definitely legit. At number three, the 9-1 San Francisco 49ers. The defense has allowed 25 or more points in three straight games. Now, it's still one of the best in the NFL, but teams are finding more ways to move the ball on them, and they don't look as dominant as they did earlier in the year. They also aren't running the ball as well either. But I like what I've seen from Jimmy Garoppolo. He threw for 424 yards and four touchdowns last week while the run game struggled. Now, he did throw two interceptions, and the team has 17 giveaways, which is eighth worst in the NFL. So they really need to clean that up if they want to contend for the Super Bowl. But they are 9-1, and one, and they're in the top three for a reason. They're going to be a tough out for anybody. Number two, the 9-1 and one New England Patriots. Now, it's hard to argue with the 9-1 and one record. But this version of the Patriots looks different. It's led by its defense, which has playmakers all over the field, especially in the secondary. The offense hasn't been very good. Sony Michelle and the run game just aren't as good as last year, and they don't have a guy who can stretch the field. Now that could change with rookie Nikhil Harry coming off IR. And I was high on him coming out of ASU. This guy is a big receiver, he's got good hands, and he's a really good young player. Now, generally speaking, young receivers tend to not make a big impact with the Patriots. 
But their lack of options on the outside is starting to become glaring, and it'll be interesting to see if Brady leans on Harry here in these next couple weeks. The O-line has been shaky, but Isaiah Wynn is also coming back at left tackle. So this 9-1 Patriots team that doesn't look as good as they have in years past is still my pick to represent the AFC in the Super Bowl. Number one, the 8-2 Baltimore Ravens. This team is red hot, winning their last six straight games and putting up 30 or more points in the last four weeks. The Ravens' offense is so unique, and they create such a tough matchup for, for teams. It's really hard to prepare for them in a week. Now, the dual threat ability of Lamar Jackson is the reason why. He is putting so much pressure on defenses. If you load the box to stop the run, he beats you through the air. You spy him, and and you leave holes in coverage. You drop back, and he takes off with his legs. Lamar Jackson has seven straight games with 60 or more rushing yards and a 70% completion percentage. I think he's the leader for MVP at this point. He would certainly be my vote. Oh, and by the way, the defense continues to improve since acquiring Marcus Peters. They are the team that right now nobody wants to play, and that's why they're number one in my power rankings. So that's going to do it for today's episode. I hope you guys enjoyed it. And like I said earlier in the podcast, be sure to go to Twitter at PGF Podcast for my exclusive six picks on games that I'm going to be betting this weekend. I appreciate you guys. Thanks for listening, and we'll catch you next time. Thanks for listening to the Pint Glass Football Podcast. Be sure to subscribe and follow us on Twitter at PGF Podcast.